We're judging the world and saying what sucks. We're abused. That's that's kind of hilarious. And now she can't stop watching it. They eat brains and then gain some sort of weird ESP and solve murders. Dude, I zombie is pretty good. I love zombie. All right, I think um, we've we've been sitting here like eating food and just chatting for about fifty minutes, but we have a podcast to record. Why don't we start? Are we going to try to play Super Fight one more time tonight? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and kidding. girls, welcome, welcome, welcome to Reviews vs. the World, the podcast. Woo! Today we are here to talk about not a movie that came out. We are actually not here to talk about Batman v Superman. Multiple reasons. There are some of us here who haven't seen it. Some of us who have refused to see it on moral grounds. And some of us who have seen it and liked it. Pretty sure that if we actually had the discussion about Batman v Superman on air, it would just end with, like, screams, and then it would cut to silence, and then you'd have, like, some ominous music playing. People might die. Um, so instead of doing that, what we are going to talk about is one of the biggest, uh, at least visual contributors to Batman v Superman. Um, when I saw the trailer, this was the first thing I thought of. We are going to talk about... The Dark Knight Rises. Batman, The Dark Knight Rises. A comic written by Frank Miller, drawn by Klaus Janssen, with colors, I believe, by Lynn Varley. Do you return? You said Rises. That's a movie. The Dark Knight Rises is a movie that John hates. It's bad. We're going to talk about The Dark Knight Returns. Thank yeah, you, Nate. <laughs> You're welcome. Which is a comic book that was written by Frank Miller and drawn by <laughs> Klaus Janssen et al. So... Um, before we get into that, though, we've got a tradition here at Reviews vs. the World where we talk about what we've been into for the last month, and I think we will start with that. So, Mr. Brady Flanagan. Hello! Hello! What have you been into for the last Slice month? Slice and dice. You've been into <laughs> slicing and dicing? No, I have not. Okay. Oh. So, I, I've been into quite a few things lately. The biggest thing is, I got a new phone! <laughs> So I got the Galaxy S7 Edge. Oh, quite. And, 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 and it's pretty spiffy. But the biggest thing is, you know, with my pre-order, I got a free Gear VR. So I have actually experienced virtual reality. Oh, my. And is it the future? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh, so, you know, the, the thing is, I've been, I'm always on top of the gaming industry, and everyone's been screaming VR, 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 you will love it, you will love it, you will love it, you know, for about a year now, and I've gotten so sick of it that when I saw that the pre-order bonus for the Galaxy S7 Edge, which I've been meaning to upgrade anyway, was a Gear VR, I thought, all right, I'll give VR a chance. So I... Went ahead, pre-ordered it, got it a couple, got my VR a couple of weeks ago, and it's cool. I mean, it is. There's, especially the power that you can get out of just my little, my cute little phone is pretty impressive, and the head tracking is amazing. It's super responsive, you don't see jitters, I mean, it's really pretty cool. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I don't know, especially for gaming. I don't think that it is. I don't think that it's really the way forward. Um, like I've, I've gotten a few games for it. There's one Eve Gunjack is pretty cool. Steven tried it. Gunjack was actually pretty fun. And it's basically imagine, imagine that you're co controlling it like your Cyclops from the X Men. So you have a little button on the side of your visor 
that you just look and you shoot things. That was that's actually about the only game I can see really being viable in VR, honestly, because that makes so much sense. Just look and shoot. Definitely, and you know, I, I don't have a con. Well, I I could program one of my PS4 controllers or something to work with it, but I don't have a regular controller, so that's pretty much the type of games that I'm limited to, that I'm limited to at the moment. Um, but, and, you know, that's cool and all. Can I see myself playing a 60-hour game in VR? No. <laughs> no, not at all. So bad. Oh, my gosh, Well, yeah. especially since, you know, I'm of the mind that video gaming to me is something that brings people together, mm-hmm. and VR is something that separates you from other people. Yeah, true. Right. Now, there, there's one game that I do want to try that, that was supposed to come free with my Gear VR, but... Yeah, I'm still waiting to hear back from Oculus on that one. Um, but it's called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. <laughs> <laughs> I've played that. So, so you played that? So th- there's a version of that for VR where you have the person who's working the bomb. Uh-huh. So, so basically it's you have one person who's trying to defuse a bomb and another person with the bomb instruction manual. So the person with the bomb instruction manual can't uh-huh. see the actual bomb. But they have to. you have to keep talking to each other. So it's like space to, team. To yeah, to kind of like work together to find out what you need to do to, you know, disarm this particular bomb. And so I think that that can be cool. But outside of that, it really literally shuts you off to everyone and everything else. And that's not what gaming is to me. Um, plus, I think that you would get such a headache for playing it, you know, for even just an hour at a time. Right. Um, but one thing where I do think it is the future is movies. Like, just the cinematic experiences that you already have on that are so cool. Mm -hmm. Um, There's one video, it's called Invasion, where it's it's just this beautifully animated, um, fully 360. So you look around you, and there's stuff that's, you know, happening everywhere. You look behind you, and you go, oh, look, there's a bird flying over there. Um, But it's just this bunny, and then aliens come to Earth. And you're just watching it, but it does such a great job of guiding your eyes of where you should be looking, but really you can look anywhere. Hmm. And I think that this could really open up things to some really crazy stuff with, the, with you know, just cinema in general. Well, they're like, releasing Hardcore Henry, yeah. which is a first-person movie, like first-person shooter movie. That apparently also gives you a headache. I'll bet. <laughs> well, yeah, you have to listen to Charlotte Copley's accent for an hour and a half. <laughs> hey, hey, he was Murdoch in the A-Team, okay? Yeah, and you couldn't understand him there either. <laughs> or in oh, any movie that he has ever been in. But VR movies. But VR movies, <laughs> I mean, it's. I, I think that there's some really cool things. I can, I can imagine eventually having, like, a fully 3D... Hollow deck type display for movies, you know that's that, that's probably good, you know at least thirty years off. But I imagine that that will be a thing, and it will be awesome. Can you cheat on your wife and your kids in it later on? You think? You'd oh be my to... goodness! I'm just gonna put this on, and uh, we'll see a regular family. I've got stuff to do with my little virtual boy. We're gonna go to. The oh. Park. oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Yikes! Brady's gonna, Brady's gonna lift up his visor and be like. You know, my Sims kids took out the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and just put the visor down. <laughs> oh, Dad likes That's to pretty great. better. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, VR is VR is definitely pretty cool. Okay. Um, and outside of that, just a couple of brief mentions of things that I've been into. I got the first episode of the new Hitman 
Okay. Oh, or the, PS4. The, the game, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And it's pretty cool. And I actually like... So they're doing episodic releases, Telltale style, for, for this game. Which is actually great, because you have basically this huge sandbox. You have two different... You have two different objectives, two different targets. And you can take them out any way that you want to. And the thing is, there's seriously like 50 different ways that you can go about the mission. And so it's really meant to be re- replayed. And so for 15 bucks, it's definitely worth it. It's it's a lot of fun. Cool. Um, and then also, on my phone, I've been playing some games on my phone. I've been doing Mitomo. I don't know if you'd really call that a game. It's not a game. But it's fun. <laughs> so it's it's Nintendo's first app. Oh, right. And, oh, boy. And it's it's adorable. It's basically its own little social network, and just hearing your little me's talking and saying the things that you type out and reacting to different words, it's it's pretty hilarious, and then just connecting to other people. Um, and then I've been really kind of addicted to Clash Royale, which if you uh-huh. don't know what that is, is it's kind of like a tower defense game from the people who make Clash of Clans. Oh, cool. It's very, very addictive and hard to put down, but I recommend it. All right. Pretty cool. Um, we also have here with us tonight, Emily. Hi, Emily. What have you been into for the last month? Oh, I got married. Emily got married. I did. We, we actually toyed with the idea of doing a reviews versus Emily's wedding. Oh, I have, <laughs> I have the review. You have the review. <clears throat> oh, dear. Um, scored very highly on the venue. Good. It was a nice uh, venue. Bride and, bride and groom's uh, outfits. Very good. Mm-hmm. As well. I would hope so. So, two for two. Um, uh, food was excellent. Good. Um, a little minus, though, we didn't get to see Steven dance. Plus, You side, left early! Plus side, we didn't get to see me dance, so that cancels <laughs> <laughs> I totally danced. Curtis dance. had everyone dance. What was the song? It was, was it Uptown Funk? Yes. Yeah, it was Uptown <laughs> Funk. And I was gone by that point. Darn. Yeah. So, yeah, Emily, you got how's how's married life? It's good. I'm I'm a fan. <laughs> I, I like him. I mean, I I did marry him, so if I didn't, I'd kind of be in trouble. Well, you there is such a thing as buyer's remorse. Yeah, I don't have that so far. <laughs> they, so. Have that they have that all over Hollywood. It's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's a six month return policy. Oh dear. <laughs> I've already changed my name everywhere I legally can except my passport. So I don't want to have to go through all that crap again. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that would. Lots of office stops, lots of waiting in line, lots of. I'm staying in unhappy marriage, so I don't have to fill out any more paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) Jokes on you. Um, Other than getting married, um, my husband and I, Curtis is here. He'll he'll be talking in 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 a moment. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've been playing a lot of Lego. Curtis got a. he was gifted his older brother's Xbox 360 for his birthday. It's still working? Mm-hmm. Wait, th- oh, sorry. 360. No. Yeah, you were talking about the yeah. 64 last time. Or, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, so, we've been playing a lot of Lego games because they're easy games for we us to play together. We own all of them. We own almost all of them. We I don't think... own any of the Star Wars Oh, yeah, that's the one we're missing. But those aren't as fun to play all the time. We like Harry Potter, but <laughs> that's for reasons outside of Lego. Um... I have a... <laughs> Curtis's face. This is like, oh, really? Why are you Why are you sharing our private secrets? My point is that there's depth to the stories, and they're beautiful stories. Don't there's take depth. that wrong, husband. Oh, yeah. 
Um, six months. Six months. <laughs> 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 She's gonna get your hippogriffs. Your hippogriffs. Though. Oh, I screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> Just pretend that that joke played. And... <laughs> Done. <laughs> Moving on. Um, and I've been rereading a lot of books. I'm rereading Stephen King's Night Shift right now. Ooh. Just because cool. I'm feeling like it. And it's funny that some of these I, I I know I've read before because I've read it before, but I've forgotten about. But it's funny when you're going through these short stories, that's one of his collection of short stories. And because you know it's Stephen King, you know it's not going to end well. <laughs> so after true. you read about two or three, you figure out, oh... Oh, so the the laundry machine's probably possessed by a demon. Okay, that's what it is. That's <laughs> why you can't binge watch like procedural shows. Right. They're like, oh, you figured it out, did you? No, you haven't. There hasn't been a commercial yet. Wait, <laughs> shut up. It, it, it's the second guy that you originally talked to who yeah. wasn't a suspect at the time. Right. Hmm. I watch a lot of Law and Order Special Victims Unit, so I'm very good at detective research. <laughs> I kind of watched like two episodes of House in a row, and I was like, it's not lupus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know. That's pretty much all. I mean, getting married was a big thing, yeah. and I'm 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 loving it so far. Well, I didn't skip over Curtis on purpose, but I am going back. Curtis, welcome. Thank you. This is, of course, Curtis of TJ and Nash. Curtis Crash Nash. Movies. It's true. Crash movies. Hey, um, thanks. I'm happy to be here. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I say that every time, <laughs> but it's it's true. I like I legitimately listen to these things, and so I'm I'm happy to be here. He's yeah, the one guys. <laughs> yeah. Neo, right? <laughs> no, um, the, oh. Are so, you in the Matrix? Yes. Anything? That's the only one. Anything you've been into this month that Emily didn't mention? So funny enough, um, my it's this weird foreign word. It's like free to me, f r e e t i m e. Fretim. Fretim. For time. Free time. Free time. So this is my life since March of last year. Okay. March of 2015, I got engaged, worked a new job, did 1776, I moved in, moved out, Alice in Wonderland, I was planning a wedding reception, getting ready for a wedding slash reception, planning, paying for, and looking forward to a honeymoon, I did Beauty and the Beast, I had my birthday, I worked through taxis, and I've been filming videos, I had a wedding, I had a honeymoon, and then halfway through April, suddenly I went home and I took my shoes off. And You've been was. wearing the same shoes the yeah. whole time. The whole time. Showering was so suck. right. <laughs> no foot no, fungus. Which, well, which, I guess yeah. it depends on your shoes. Oh. How good the, the ventilation is oh, in those things. His feet are mostly Reebok now. <laughs> I've been playing Lego games. I've been playing a lot. I've had my football hangover, which is a different kind of nerdy. I play fantasy football. It's basically Dungeons and Dragons, but dudes like. Chest bump each other and stuff. <laughs> um, oh man! It, it is. It's Dungeons and Dragons for people who made fun of people playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, <laughs> it is. And uh, yeah, man. So really looking forward to free to free to me. Seriously, don't know how to say that word. I don't know what it's about. Yeah, well, uh, English nerd pedant here. It, it's two words. Free time. See, I didn't even know Free that. Free time. I didn't know that. We didn't use that degree, sir. That's <laughs> all it's good for. <laughs> for we the did first know that free and time were two different words. John Crowder, hello. Hi. What have you been into for the last month? Oh, guess what? I started on Tuesday was Lamaze. <laughs> that, is a, that is a treat. I'm going to learn things that I can't unlearn. 
See, I'm going to talk about comic books, and y'all are talking about life changes. Oh, no, I'm getting to that. Okay, good. <laughs> um, Chris and I saw 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm. Oh, we saw that too. Holy crap! It was so good. Holy crap! I've actually heard a lot of good things about it. I, I, I've heard that John Goodman deserves an Oscar. He yes. deserves something. Oh, he's unsettling. He's always fabulous. <laughs> yeah, I love him and everything. He's great. Yeah. Um, but great really, movie. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I always love her. She's yeah. I've yeah. only seen her in a couple of things, but she's wonderful in everything. And and, and Nate so. had to point out that she's hot, which yeah. well yeah. yeah hey, anyone that doesn't hurt. any of our visually impaired listeners or. People who hate pretty faces, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> Basically just watch Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yeah! yeah. She's Ramona. Um, she does a great job. The other guy, I can't remember the actor's name, he does a good job too. It's really, it's a really small cast. John Gallagher Jr.? Yes. Apparently it's John Gallagher Jr. <laughs> he was in Spring Awakening, that's why I know. Oh, okay. Um, great, like, yeah, I, I didn't see the end coming. No. Um, no. It's I... like you, you think, oh, that'd be funny. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's ending this way. And mm-hmm. this. Right. And I want to see more. I don't want them to make a sequel. Right. But I would love to watch a sequel. That's how I feel. You know, it's but if they made a sequel, it wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. It just, it would, Can I just say that somehow. the first trailer I saw for 10 Cloverfield Lane was totally better than the first Cloverfield movie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, liked, I liked Cloverfield. It was way different than anything I had seen up to that point. So. That does count for something. Um, I saw... <laughs> Zack Snyder playing with my superhero action figure toys wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That kid who comes over and is like, "Eh, Batman and Superman are going to go to the grocery store with Barbie. I I don't know what people did to your toys. I did not. three feet taller than your action figures. (laughs) I know, that's why my my Ninja Turtles never played with the Barbies, with my sister's Barbies, because they just, they wouldn't work. (laughs) But I did have Skeletor and He-Man fighting on top of... uh, Each uh, other? No, <laughs> Strawberry Shortcake's house. Oh, oh sure. Yeah, yeah that, that, really that makes cool sense. Roof That's throw guys off. Play sets. Yeah. Play sets are great for this. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, loved Zootopia. I'm just going over movies that I saw Zootopia recently. Zootopia is so good. I haven't Zootopia. seen it yet. I haven't seen it's it yet. Awesome. On my list. It is on my a, list. It is not a kid's movie. It is a buddy cop movie. Uh-huh. And it shows that animation can be used to tell other stories. And this is something that would be a horrible live action movie right. if they were like trying to make it about animals. Cause right. I hate, like, but they didn't, they didn't like play it down to kids either. Nope. Like I mean it's for everybody. Yeah. And there's jokes that Jokes that... for everyone. There was a breaking bad joke. Yeah, there was a breaking there. bad what? joke that was very yes. awesome. What? I've gotta see this movie, it's guys. Wonderful. See, Steven, this movie is seriously maybe one step below inside out. And yeah, that's high praise coming from That's high praise coming from anyone. It's it's really good. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I'd I'd say that, but I I I, I partially agree. Maybe I don't know. It's ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now as we record this. So what you're saying is it's good. Yes. Okay. It is worth your theater money. All right. Uh, also, of course, watch Daredevil season two, and it was fantastic. Oh yeah. yeah. And I'm really Punisher. looking forward to something. Oh, Kimmy Schmidt's coming out on the 15th. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unbreakable. We literally just rewatched the series like today. I love that theme song. Uh-huh. So good. Other than that, um, yeah, looking counting down to Civil War. Yeah, really yeah. a lot to get excited for. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, uh, that brings us over to Nathaniel Unkerton. Yes, Nathan Unk. Hello. I think I prefer Unkvenheimer. 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 Um, That's good. Uh, That's good. Job. It's Dutch. Um, <laughs> no, but what uh, I've been into, Stephen's actually. Finished making a video of it, but we haven't finished it. Is Usagi Ojimbo. So it's, good! It's turned into probably my favorite comic book of all time. 
Because it's um, really good. It's about a rabbit who is a ronin samurai, which means he's masterless. His master was killed in the war, and so he travels around Japan. And whenever good people are in trouble, he steps in and fights for them and helps them uh, with their problems. And it can get kind of bloody, not really bloody bloody. There's a lot of fighting, but usually like when he kills a bad guy... It doesn't show any gore. It just shows a little ghost of a of a guy with with a skeleton and crossbones floating up. Yeah, there's it. always like this little squiggly word bubble that comes out, and it's got their skull in yeah. it when they die. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of his trademarks. It's pretty great. It's awesome. And there is an issue where somebody gets crucified, and it's so jarring because it's like you say, it, it's pretty like. Uh, it, for the most part, it's actually a pretty kid-friendly comic. Yeah. So when somebody gets crucified on panel, it's terrifying. Yeah. But um, uh, and it's Japanese crucifixion too, which is different. Like, that's the great thing, though. I think like a kid that's, I mean, seven to the oldest age you can be to read. Um, <laughs> I think it's great for like all those and like the animals are cutesy, but don't let that fool you because they tell really, really awesome samurai stories from the turn of the 17th century where. Japan was in this big civil war with each other, clans trying to take out other clans to get bigger, you know, properties, but then you have other ones that are challenging them, and mm -hmm. so it's really cool to see this rabbit samurai. Usagi means rabbit, and then samurai means bodyguard, or mm -hmm. Yojimbo means bodyguard. So he's a rabbit bodyguard that goes and protects the innocent and helps them out. But there's a lot of really neat stories where there's twists and turns that make it a lot of fun, and they're super easy to read. Mm -hmm. um, and Dark Dark Horse has done a great job at being able to take the stories and collaborate them into books. I have three of them, and all three of them are over 600 pages apiece. Um, there's a lot, but... And they only... Yeah, yeah, anyway. I've got a review coming out. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the other thing I wanted to say is that, um, as a critic, I already went and saw The Jungle Book. And it's awesome. Just don't take kids under eight. The special effects are amazing, and the thing that was amazing to me was that they all filmed it in downtown L.A. on blue screens. Mm -hmm. And they had, like, a couple little sets where, like, he rolled down some mud, but he was still behind a blue screen, or in front of a blue screen. And he might, like, have, like, a little log that's on a conveyor belt going down that he's sitting on. Mm -hmm. But then when they add in the special effects, it makes it look like he's going down a river and... Stuff like that. There's a really neat YouTube video that shows the uh, the special effects behind it. And the voice cast is awesome. you got Bill Murray, Scarlett Johansson, Ben Kingsley, uh, Christopher Walken. Mm -hmm. Just awesome Idris people. Idris Idris Christopher Walken. Yeah. Oh, for Idris Elba. Yeah. Yeah. And Shere Khan. I'm more excited for this movie than Civil War. Yeah. Shere Khan is <clears> actually, <throat> I would say, the scariest <laughs> villain of the year so far. He was awesome, but really mean, so... Anyway, that's what I've been into. All right. As for me, your uh, gentle and lovable host, Stephen Bradford, I have, in the last month, been into a lot of comic books, because that's what I do. Um, DC, uh, about a year, year and a half ago, put out, uh, or had this new initiative where they were putting out comics that were geared towards a younger crowd. They called it uh, DCU, or DC Now, or I don't remember, because it was like a year and a half ago. And I never picked up any of the floppies, but I always pick up comics and trade. And I've been reading a bunch of those. Gotham Academy is delightful and charming. Mm -hmm. um, just this week, I picked up the Black Canary series, where Black Canary frontlines a band 
which is the comic that I didn't know I wanted until I had it in my hands. It's so good. But the comic, the comic that I came here to talk about today, that isn't the one that we're actually going to talk about for the next hour and a half after this, is the reboot of Archie Comics. Um, I, I actually do like Archie, but Archie is a very safe comic. It's the comic you go to the supermarket and they've got the digest there and you pick it up and you just, they're just these little gag strips uh, about this redheaded kid who for some reason has two girlfriends and can't figure out which of them he wants to go steady with and they fight over each other or fight over him. And there's a malt shop unironically in there. <laughs> Um, this is like Saved because by the it was Bell. written from a yeah. time when there were malt shops. Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> in a lot of ways it's a relic because yeah. it's it's so old fashioned. Um, but Archie decided to reboot their whole franchise, and to do that, they brought in Fiona Staples, who's an artist best known for Saga, um, which is crazy popular, and I can't in good faith endorse it, but it's not due to the quality. It's, 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 it's excellent. Content. It's Full an excellent, content. excellent series that makes me hurt. Um, but she's a great artist. And the writer, this is the reason that, that I was even interested in this reboot at all. It's written by a man named Mark Wade. If you know comics, Mark Wade is someone who really excels at taking old concepts, finding what makes them good and universal, and then updating them while preserving the old concepts. Um, so he takes the story of Archie and Betty and Veronica, and the the first I've, the first trade collects the first uh, six issues or so. So it introduces um, Archie and Betty at the beginning of the story are lifelong friends. They've been friends since they were kids, mm -hmm. and they were dating. And then something happened. There was this incident that caused them to have this huge fight. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of this, when they're having this huge fight, Veronica moves into town. Uh, of course. Uh -oh. And that right there, that mm -hmm. one little thing, makes everything about the Archie Betty Veronica dynamic make sense. But it's it's done in a way that's really engaging. The story itself is very, very compelling. Um, the writing is really good. It's still hilarious. It is really, really funny. Jughead Jones is potentially my spirit animal. He <laughs> is great. He is just the, he's still the same character who loves hamburgers and hates women. And he's just delightful though to read. Um, I will say that Mark Wade does sometimes try too hard to be hip. Um, like there is unironic use of hashtags. Um, but for the most part, there there are way more hits than misses. This is a great, great comic that, um, yeah, if you don't read superhero comics but are kind of interested in comics, Archie might be the book to check out. I'm not even kidding. It's it's pretty fantastic. Um, there's Ooh. also some other art in there from uh, Annie Wu and Fiona Staple, or Veronica Fish. Um, consistent quality all throughout. Great stuff. Good. Um, but, yeah, nobody's here to listen to me talk about Archie comics. I am. They're oh, here to. That's why I can't. They're oh, here wait. to listen to us talk about. I'm gonna actually look at the title so I get it right this time. Batman: colon, The Dark Knight Returns. So, um, we're gonna talk a little bit about this uh, book, just kind of in in broad strokes before we go on break. Um, written in 1986, uh, around the same time that Watchmen came out, The Dark Knight Rises and Watchmen have often been considered to be like two of the watershed comics of the 80s. They redefined the medium. Comic books after these books came out were not the same. 
ever again. Um, John, you've got a lot of comic book experience. What 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 enlightenment can you shed on this? I, I like to see things in timelines, and so I look. You know, Batman's created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Gets really popular. We get to the 60s when the TV show is huge, but it's very camp, and they're not really taking the character very seriously. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a decline in, you know, Batman is not really the, you know, Cape Crusader of the night. He's more like, hello, kids, it's Batman, and he's, you know, walking around in his pajamas in the mm-hmm. middle of the daytime. So when um, Denny O'Neill started writing and uh, Neil Adams started drawing, they, they, you know, put everything at night. They did things like, Neil Adams says, so anytime he's, you know, in a room, I don't want him to enter the room through the door. He can come in through the window or just appear there, whatever, but it's not going to be, like, you know, cheesy or whatever, <laughs> right. campy. And then this really solidified it. Batman, I read this uh, looking, just researching kind of the history of the Batman and everything. Um, the comic was really low sales before this point. The character is still popular, obviously, but everyone associated it with the Adam West, you know, super campy TV show and everything. Yeah, the Adam West show is good. It's good. But. It's good, but it's a question of okay, how do you like your Batman? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I take my Batman black, <laughs> like no cream, my men. No sugar. <laughs> I'm I can't, I can't it's 2016, dude. I'm not gonna judge you. Anyway, <clears throat> so this, um, I mean, this like changed comics. You know, this is like we're talking about like Watchmen and and you know things that came after it were different because of it. Um, you know, made Batman more serious and kind of, I, I think this is, you know, my Batman. This is how he acts. This is how he thinks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think things that have come after this, you can see references to it. I, I, it's, I don't know, we'll get more into the specifics and everything like that later, but yeah, I just love it. I, re- I reread it today and just, yeah, absolutely love it. So, um, Emily, Curtis, Brady, the three of you don't read a whole lot of comics. Nope. <coughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm pretty sure, Curtis, you said this is like your first comic book you've ever read. In a uh, decade, maybe. A... I, I think I might have read like the first book issue, like some of it of The Walking Dead. And then I, wa- I read Garfield and stuff when I was a kid. How does this How does this compare to Garfield? Oh, so it's... it's it... Garfield is better. I have to tell you, I really enjoyed it. I really did. I thought it was it was enjoyable um, because, like you said, it takes it seriously. One of my biggest things about comic books is they're kind of a, for me, not being a comic book reader, is that they're kind of a kid's book in a lot of ways. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You guys are comic book readers, and I knew that that well, would come across. No, you, you are actually... We were talking about one of the books that really challenges that perception, so, it, I mean, it, it, it's appropriate to bring it up here. The writing was good, and was... it felt like... Sorry. No, no, no yeah, I it felt like a grown-up thing to, to read and watch, and I felt like I was watching it. I wasn't like, okay, what's happening next? Do you know what I mean? It, it, I don't know how to explain that better, but it didn't force me to go on to the next page. I wanted to go on to the next page because I wanted to know what was going to happen next. So it really did hook you. For book one and two. <laughs> uh, we can talk about book three when we're getting we'll, into We'll get into yeah. that. Book we'll three get into four, that. a little bit, no thanks. But <laughs> Garfield is better. <laughs> so, okay. That was my... So, Emily, what, what were your thoughts, having having not read a whole lot of comic books and then being thrown into this one? I had a really, really, really hard time getting through it. I appreciate you being here. I, <laughs> I couldn't really... I don't know if it's the format in which it was in or something, but 
It's not that I was bored. It's that I couldn't really find a line of thought to focus on while I was going through it. Um... I just had a really hard time with it. It's not one I'll ever read again, I don't think. Yeah. I'm also not really a big superhero person in general. Like, <laughs> I like superhero movies. Oh my gosh, Curtis. What? Six months, he said. Let me clarify. It's not that I don't like superheroes. We watched Smallville seasons one through ten, dang it. Curtis, let me finish with this. Okay, good. It's not that I don't like superheroes. I love superheroes. But it's not like... I don't know how to explain it in words it's not like i'm a huge fan of one over another and i don't know the history behind a lot of them and blah 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 blah. i basically just watched superhero movies mm -hmm. and like caught a couple of cartoons here and there so reading this comic was very hard for me maybe it wasn't a good first exposure as far maybe as because the format is a little tricky with so many panels. i realized right. that yeah. when i i haven't I read this book in years and so when i opened it up in preparation for this podcast i was like oh my gosh this is really hard to read it is mm -hmm. it is it, the format the i'm actually going to throw a little bit of shade on the artist uh i'm not the biggest fan of klaus jansen as an artist it, it's hideous. um it's got good moments and i'll talk about some of them later but uh, the layout is is cluttered the text is really dense um, it's hard to read. See, that's the thing, and, like, first couple times through, I was like, oh, man, these little teeny tiny panels, and there's a thousand of them on each page, and then, <laughs> this time rereading it, I was like, all of this works. Like, I think it... it Do you can... think because you had a prior understanding of where it was going? Absolutely. It definitely is a book that, <laughs> that really does benefit from multiple readings. Yeah. But, I, sure. but an, initial read, yeah. an initial read, an initial read, that's... <laughs> This is not the book to convert someone to, to superhero comics, I don't think. Yeah. So you're gonna so, start with start with Garfield. Yeah, Emily, how does this how does this compare to Garfield? <laughs> I, I really love like comic strips, like Sunday comics. I love that stuff. Like, so, I, I don't have a problem with comics as a whole. I think, how did you feel about like Calvin and Hobbes Sunday? This will be on the latter end of the scale. No, I, it wasn't a good first exposure for me. That's... If there's others that are maybe a little bit more simplified for my brain to follow or my mm -hmm. eyeballs. Maybe that'll convert me. This one just didn't go with me. You can borrow my Archie comic if Fair you enough. want. I uh, probably would enjoy it. So, um, Brady, you, you look like you have something you want to say at this juncture. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Brady has something you want so to say? So, I, I mean, I, I this is the first comic book that I've read since probably I was ten. And I would read my brother's image comics because he was <laughs> Oh, boy. You can draw, by the way. You can definitely draw a line between this book and image oh, in yeah, a definitely. lot of ways. Definitely. Um, <laughs> but, and, uh, there are, one of the issues that I had in reading this was the fact that uh, a few years ago when they came out with the cartoon movies of, of this storyline... Which follow it pretty much exactly, yeah, and are amazing. So I I already knew where the story was going, so I didn't really have much of a punch in the story department and the art. Some of it is absolutely hideous. Um, Any time that it showed a weird angle of the mayor or the guy who builds bombs, no, I get like, you. I see your point. Okay, so that. That yeah. is not good art. I don't care who you are. <laughs> that is not good art. Oh, that, yeah. is, that is 
Humpty Dumpty with a ring of glory hair and a bald spot. Point of order, mm-hmm. Humpty Dumpty is actually a Batman villain. That is not Humpty Dumpty. That is Abner. <laughs> Abner really? builds bombs. Yes, we'll talk about him during the break. <laughs> and, you know, some of the writing was just really bad. Um, like, um, one of the things, you know, I, I actually loved, I loved how this got into a lot of the social commentary about Batman, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I thought that that was actually really cool, you know, having the constant, you know, TV, TV programs where you'd have Lana Lang, who did not age well at all. (laughs) Isn't Lana Lang just bad all the time, always? Probably. No! Lana Lang is great, you watch your mouth. But, anyway, (laughs) where it has her arguing with different people about why Batman's great, and they say, no, Batman's not great. And this is a line that one of the Batman's not great people said to her. He said, you don't call excessive force a crime. How about assault, fat lady? <laughs> Frank Miller has complicated opinions about women. Wait, did I say complicated? I meant... Flawed? <laughs> very, very problematic. Well, I, I, I mean, I don't, care, I don't care who you are. That is... Well, that conversation. I mean, the delivery of the line, you know, you gave it didn't help, too. <laughs> saying, well, like, I, if I you mean, read it, like... If, if, I was, if I was going on to a TV program, even if I was very heated in my arguments, and I'm a professional, I'm not going to say, hey, listen up, fat lady! Maybe if it was the mid-80s, right, dummy, you were all dumb, dumb head. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> if you were Frank Miller, well. you probably would. The, the, there were there were a few things like that that I really that I really didn't like. That I didn't think that the writing was 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 quite there. You know, any of the mutant dialogue just annoyed me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. Slice and dice, baby. Slice and dice, man. I love it so much. I was surprised. Brady, Brady, Mon don't shiv. Mon don't shiv, Brady. Mon don't shiv, Brady. The pipe. You heard the pipe. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I, I had a lot of problems with the writing, a lot of problems with the art, but I still came out of it kind of liking it. There's, there's plenty to like, but I, I, I'm kind of actually on the same page as you. Um, I, I mean, we're gonna talk at length about it, and before I really get into my opinions, because I'm leading this discussion, it's kind of gonna, gonna kind of go where I want it to go. Um, gotta ask one more person, Nate. What did, what did you think of the book? You've Got... I've read it a couple times. Okay, I didn't actually know beforehand if you've, if you've read it before. Yeah, okay. first time was a little while ago, and I remember kind of liking it. I don't know, I've read other think, uh, Frank Miller stories um, besides Batman, or The Dark Knight Returns, and I actually didn't care for them um, at all. I think that visually they're stunning, but I don't really care for the stories too much. Um, I do like the idea of an older Batman... Coming back in to kind right, of that was try to... to me too. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll uh, I've, we'll talk about Batman in depth himself. Right, right. That's, that's a thing we're gonna come to. You know, but I mean, like, like his, you know, his book three hundred. Like the only way I was able to get through that book is by getting the riff tracks offline and watching Mystery <laughs> Science Theater guys like riffing on that thing. It's like visually, I think Zack Snyder's brilliant, but storytelling. He doesn't have any clue what he's doing. Are we talking about Zack Snyder or are we talking about Frank Miller? Well, that's Zack Snyder, but, you know, like, some of it's coming from Frank Miller. And True Frank enough. Frank Miller's vision of things and everything. So, anyway, that's I kind of feel that way about them. Yeah. So. so, I think it's safe to say, like, group consensus is that there's something here that's that's worth exploring. Right. Um, a lot of us actually did come away liking it, um, but it's it's... 
This is considered to be one of the greatest graphic novel... No, that was going to be this really insightful sentence, and I just completely botched it. I this, like the... Yeah. Favorite you don't mind message. if the rest of us continue those farting sounds while you make your eloquence. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, this is considered to be one of the greatest graphic novels ever written. And I, I think there's certainly something to it. If nothing else, it had the impact. But there are a lot of things that I don't think hold up very well. Mm -hmm. But there are certain elements of the story that are memorable, that are unforgettable. And I, I'm looking forward to talking about those uh, along with some other things. We're going to take a quick break on our end, uh, reload on some gummy worms, and then we'll uh, be back and talk some more about Batman The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> Love Michael Emerson as Joker in the movie, yeah. and that was Ben Linus, well, you're right? A, you're a huge, yeah, yeah Ben Linus. Yeah, story, that's so. that's that's great he casting, is especially for this weird, weird Joker. Well, we're already kind of talking about it, so why don't we actually officially bring the podcast? Hey, right. Hello, this is the world. song. So, welcome back. Um, so, for those of you listening, if you haven't read this book before. Um, we are kind of recommending that you do read it. We're, we're going to talk a lot about it and about what makes it cool, um, but this would probably be a good one to um, kind of read along with or read beforehand. We're not. I mean, we're going to talk about all the different plot elements. We're basically going to spoil the ending because the ending is actually the reason that we're here. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things to talk about, but you should probably, if you don't want it spoiled, you should go read it now. We'll wait. Give him some time. Not yeah. that long, folks. <laughs> it took me about an hour this game. I mean, read. <laughs> yeah. Chris, Chris read thoroughly. Quote right. Read, read thoroughly. That I could I could read whenever we want to get to it. Okay. Just kind of a general general thoughts. He says I think I think the thing I love most about The Dark Knight uh, Returns is that despite its insane setting and post apocalyptic trappings, it is still at its heart a Batman story. It has nothing to do with him having to deal with something uh, become something different to deal with this new world and remain, or everything to do with him remaining resilient in his determination despite everything going on around him. After all he's been through, after everything he's lost, he still won't give up on Gotham. And he still won't give up hope. Right in uh, view of all the old Robin costumes and everything else, he tells Alfred that he's accepting Carrie. He's still inspiring people and taking their inspiration. People love to cite The Dark Knight Rises as the Dark Batman story, just to, uh, to justify stories that don't understand the character. But what's so enduring about The Dark Knight Returns is that the testament that despite the absolute worst circumstances, Batman never ceases to be Batman. Mm -hmm. Dun, dun, dun! There's, there's certainly a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Oh, man. He says, I mean, he breaks his one rule twice, but I think the saving a child thing is pretty simple, and I think the Joker thing is one of those I won't be here to protect them from you moments. It's irresponsible to let him live, especially as he knows he won't be around to stop him next time. Mm -hmm. And then he starts going off on how Curtis is dead to him because he likes Batman. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll probably get back to that point in a little bit. Yeah. But let's, okay, so let's talk about Batman. We're, I want to start by talking about uh, some of the, the characters, the individual characters. Let's start by talking about Batman. In uh, The Dark Knight Returns. I noticed uh, uh, Chris said Dark Knight Rises in there at one point. No, he abbreviated it, and I might have messed up uh, said Rises. You know, they should come up with different names. Yeah, these so. names are way too similar. <laughs> we need a movie that's just called The Cape Crusader to keep things straight. There you go. So let's talk about uh, Batman, The Dark Knight Returns. Batman, Bruce Wayne. What what were our thoughts on this guy? Oh. Ooh, Curtis had raised his hand, oh, even. Oh, I raised my hand. So I think that one of the cool things that stood out to me, one of the reasons why I liked it, 
overall is it takes a lot of time showing just how real and human Batman is because he he at the very beginning he's dealing with retirement and he's not doing well. Oh no, 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 he is not dealing he, doing well at all. This would be a good death. He's looking for a way to die. Yeah, he's, yeah. But he's not, like trying to keep, like feel alive. And he's you know? he's 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 waking up in the bat cave in the middle of the night with his mustache shaved and he's there there are these things and and I have a very close friend of mine, not to get too personal, I'm not going to say names, who has who suffers from really severe PTSD and some of the things that they mention in this are things that real people deal with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And most of them, without help, don't deal with them very well. Right. And it's <laughs> kind of scary when Batman puts on his suit and he says, I'm baptized. Yeah. It's rain on my chest. Mm -hmm. It's like... I'm 30 again. I'm 20 again. Uh, so so I, I actually have that panel up right here. And that, that first shot where we see him, and, this, and he looks like his 20, 30-year-old self instead of looking kind of older like he does in the later books um, is this should be agony. I should be a massive aching muscle. Broken, spent, unable to move. And were I an older man, I surely would. But I'm a man of 30, of 20 again. The rain on my chest is a baptism. I'm born again. Yeah, okay, so you can say what you want about Klaus Janssen's art. Personally, I'm not a big fan. And you can say what you want about Frank Miller's writing. Personally, I'm not a fan. That panel That's and right. that writing that panel. is fantastic. That is, I, I've written down like a couple of my favorite moments. That's one of them. Mm -hmm. Sorry, is, I spoiled it. I no, win. No, I win. That's exactly what we're doing here. This is like, and, and, and there's a reason why I have that pulled up myself as one of my favorite moments. Yeah, yeah. it's this, not my this, favorite moment. This like, uh, I think I come back to this, and I come back to like the animated series. Like, this is my Batman. You know, this is what I want. To Batman to be, you know, he's a detective, he's working, and he's tougher than anyone, and he is smarter than anyone, and, you know, this moment where it's black panels, and you just see his conversation, and he's like, you've got a mother, don't you, punk? Every oh, punk dear, like, I know this bit. He's talking uh -huh. to this guy, he's talking to this guy, and it's all black, and he's like, yeah, I'll tell you anything, just no cops. And he's like, I don't think you understand, you're not in a position here. And then he, the next pa page, he's hanging the guy upside down from a building. Uh -huh. like He could drop and die, like, hundreds of feet below, and he's like, it was tough work carrying 220 pounds of sociopath to the top of Gotham Towers, the highest spot in the city. The scream alone is worth it. It's like, oh, yes, he likes being the Batman. If you want internal okay. commentary of the Batman mind. Yeah. Oh, if we're gonna if we're gonna do this, one of my favorite moments. This is like first time that we see Batman in the costume. His first time getting in the middle of a scrape. He gets surrounded by by mooks with guns, and he's like, there are seven working defenses from this position. Three of them disarm with minimal contact. Three of them kill. The other. And then you see a kick to the plexus. Hurts! <laughs> it's the, well, yeah, and, 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 and you know, I, I do love that, because here we, have, here we have a Batman who, he has his one rule, and, you know, I'm sure that we're going to talk a little bit about that later on. Oh, no, but, we're going to talk about it now. Don't okay. worry. <laughs> All right. Um, but th there's, there's the moment where, you know, the rookie cop who wasn't really around. Oh, yeah. You know, the first uh, 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 around <laughs> when Batman was... You know, was on the scene in New York. You're under arrest, mister. You crippled that man. Yeah, he's young. He'll probably walk again, oh but he'll God. stay scared, won't you, Pop? <laughs> and he's like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> He runs out. Yeah, no, oh man. This, this is such. My favorite. Oh, I keep saying my favorite. I keep saying my favorite. <laughs> Comparing his first fight with the mutant leader 
to his last fight with the mutant leader. We, oh. I kind of want to save the mutant okay. discussion for okay. a little bit. Yeah, because that oh. we, uh, let's, let's talk about the character. Let's let's keep talking sure. about Batman though as a character. Because I've got to say, um, if if you ever watch uh, a lot of YouTube reviews, you may have seen Yahtzee Croshaw zero punctuation. Mm. Um, he makes a comment when he did his review of the Arkham Asylum video game that Batman is the least interesting character in a Batman story. I always kind of took issue with that, but I had a hard time finding counterexamples, and I still don't think I have any, because I the most interesting Batman stories were like that actually look at Batman as a character. They always deal with the same thing, and and The Dark Knight Returns does this as well. Bruce Wayne is not terribly interesting unless he is Batman, mm -hmm. and so the way that Batman is portrayed in this to me, like. I actually have a lot of issues with this Batman. He's way more violent. He's way more sadistic I, than yeah, I than I like seeing my Batman. Too. I was kind of wondering what you were thinking about mm -hmm. this, Emily. Um, but he is such a force of nature. That that aspect of it, the way that Batman's portrayed as this thing that's that's bigger than law and order. He is like the, almost this avatar of justice, capital J justice. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really like that portrayal. But as a character, he's not terribly complex. He's not terribly nuanced. The entire first chapter is all about him trying to get away from being Batman and not being able to do it. Mm -hmm. so and he then he's just a little crazy. Yeah, it's like bat, like the the character of Batman talking within him when he's put it away and he's mm -hmm. become just Bruce Wayne for the last couple. It, of years. it was almost Hulk esque. Is yeah, kind of how it was. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that I mean, I I don't love the the ultra violent Batman. I don't like the ultra sadistic Batman. But the idea that Bruce Wayne is compelled to be Batman that even after he quits, he's like, nope, nope, mm -hmm. I I can't. Just put this away. This yeah. is this is what I have chosen to be, and this is what I'm going to be until the day I die. Mm -hmm. There's there's something to that that's really appealing. You know, I am very excited. Um, they're coming out with a new Batman game that's a Telltale game. Oh and yeah, it's it's basically what they've said is everything everything that you go at you can go at as Batman or as Bruce Wayne. So handling it through a way that Bruce Wayne would handle something. And I'm very excited for that because, you know, I've always felt the same way. I haven't read the comics, but just, you know, in viewing all the Batman stories, Bruce Wayne as a character is not that interesting. But And so I'm really looking forward to seeing how Telltale does it because I think that Telltale does some great work. Yeah, they, they certainly do. I don't want to necessarily argue this point too much because this is going to be a tangent. I feel like the best portrayal of Bruce Wayne as a character... Like, actually comes from two sources. The the Christopher Nolan movies actually do a pretty good job showing that Bruce Wayne is another tool in Batman's arsenal from time mm -hmm. to time. But you see that even better in the classic... Uh, 89 film? No, Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say that the, the 89 film, I feel, is an amazing Bruce Wayne. Batman the Animated Series, I think, shows Bruce Wayne as... I mean, he, he's a smart man. He's also a man with a conscience. And you see him using the wealth of, of the Wayne Foundation and, and Wayne yeah. Enterprises to do good things. You don't see that aspect of the Batman character in The Dark Knight Returns. And that's one of the things that I think is missing from it. But at the same time, that doesn't fit with the... the, the with how it... Yeah, yeah I'm, exactly. I'm less interested in like you know billionaire playboy parties. I want more mutant punching. So. Yeah, the mutant punching is certainly yeah. great. Yeah. Um, anybody, anything else that we wanted to say about Batman before we move on? Uh, Nate, Emily, we haven't really heard too much from you. I think a lot of my points have already been addressed. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I, I do kind of want to move through and talk about some of these these individual characters uh, before we start talking about other points. Um, 
Can, can I just say? Sure. I'm not a fan of Carrie Kelly. Oh! oh get out of my house! I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's great that, you know, she's saved by Batman, and that kind of changes her whole psyche, and she decides that she's going to become Robin no matter what. You know, makes her own suit. Uh, saved Bro. by Batman? Well, I guess she is first saved. She is first she's saved by first. Batman. I'm incredible. And, but, you know, it, it, it did feel a little bit, I don't know, it, her, her whole character feel, felt forced to me. Like, if, if she felt kind of out of place. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I think there's the Tim Drake argument that Batman needs a Robin. I am actually, I am very much what of the opinion that, that Batman needs Robin. I, take him or leave him, I just, I, I, take Robin in general... You know, I'm not really a Robin fan, but I do like Carrie Kelly, and I do like how he has a Robin. Plus, came through for him there, you know, yeah. like... Oh, yeah. The, the multiple times. Yeah. Multiple yeah. times. Yeah, she's. I think she's, uh, you know, very effective. She's, um, you know, smarter than most people. But hey, know. girl power. Yeah. Yeah, the only girl Robin who wasn't killed by Black Mask. Right. Um, oh, oh, poor Stephanie... Uh, there were other Oh, Stephanie, I don't remember her name. Don't look at me like I know oh. the answer. <laughs> anyway, I didn't know there was another girl Robin. It was bad. It oh. was bad. But yeah, no. I. So the whole premise of Robin, there's, uh, there's a, a comics journalist, uh, Chris Sims, who writes extensively about Batman and occasionally things other than Batman. Mm -hmm. um, but he makes the argument that the purpose of Batman is not to necessarily eliminate crime, but it's to create Robins. Mm -hmm. Batman is a, a hero who is defined by his tragedy, Batman trains heroes to be lighter and happier and more inspirational than he is. So he's inspiring people to be more inspiring. There's a re that's, according to this journalist, the reason that Robin wears bright colors. It's not so that he's the moving target, but it's because he is more cheerful. He is a more mm -hmm. inspirational figure than Batman. That's Nightwing, and that, that is how it worked out. That is how it worked out with Nightwing. That is how it worked out with Jason Todd. That's mm -hmm. how it works with Carrie Kelly. I wouldn't suggest it. You know... Sorry, I meant Tim Drake. I <laughs> meant Tim Drake. <laughs> you know, and actually, you know, this conversation actually makes me think of it in, in sort of a doctor and companion sort of way. Where... Yeah, there's something to where, that. I where, think there's something where, to you that. know, Batman is, is so much into his persona that sometimes he can lose touch with the real world and and point. Robin is there to yeah. bring him back yeah and, and add that human element back to him sorry Curtis I don't want to oh, completely yeah. cut you off but I, I do want to hear what you say but I definitely have something I want to add to this so this is something that I actually wrote down because I the last time I read this book I found this Batman really off-putting the one time that I felt like he was really humanized was when he was with Robin like there he's been beaten up by the mutant leader and he's yeah. just lying on the table and he's like Pointing out to Robin all the things that the Batmobile can do, and this is where the the gyroscope is, and this is where it, it, like a little kid in his room, like, hey, see all my neat stuff? Yeah, right? <laughs> like Robin humanizes Batman. In order for Batman to be someone that we as readers can relate to, mm -hmm. is this Curtis's point? He's, uh, I'm going to add to it. Yeah, keep going. Anyway, keep going. We need Robin in order to be able to relate to Batman because Robin humanizes Batman. Robin is a human being that Batman cares about, and we can see him care about. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the stupid goggles. I think that's why I really don't like Gary. Those goggles are awful. Your problem, sir, is with the 80s. <laughs> if it was the 90s, no, it'd be uh, couches. Uh, yeah. Robin is more important as a device than a, a character, a device of, of Batman, a, a, mm -hmm. a yeah. device of the story. I was just telling Emily this earlier that when I was reading it, it's kind of interesting that there is a page or two, and it's a 
I guess a scene. Would you call them a scene in comic books? Depends. There is a scene where there's a mutant fight, and I believe this is in book two. Okay. Um, because she's already Robin. And Robin, meanwhile, Batman is fighting, um, no, I don't remember. Yeah, so Batman's fighting mutants, and then Robin puts a firecracker in the back of a dude's Yes! yes. Oh, and yes, I love this. In a way, it's... Same. And yeah. I thought at that moment, I'm like, so this is why we can forgive Batman for shooting at people with a machine gun, because he's doing that in that same scene. He's shooting yeah. at people with a machine gun. It's because Robin represents this totally different thing. Maybe a, a lost youth or something? I don't even know. With, with her slingshot and fireworks. I, I, yeah. Curtis, she slingshots the villain. I 100% agree with, with your reading yeah. of this. Because in my mind, that's like the entire point of this book. Mm -hmm. that, that Batman's presence galvanizes these troubled youths and turns them into, if, if not morally upstanding citizens, they are definitely people who are standing up for good and for right. It takes a while for it to happen, but it eventually does. In a way that's not destructive. In a way that's not destructive, it does take a long time. You're not killing people, because what changes you from them? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I find that, you know, so interesting. Just, I think that was probably my favorite part of this comic in general, is that turnaround of of the Sons of Batman. Oh, yeah, the and, SOBs and the Reigning Mutants, yeah. and they all get on horses and ride through Gotham City. Right. But, but the you, you the know, Dark Knight has his speed. But, you know, <laughs> like, if you, if you look at book one, book one, more or less, is about Harvey Dent, and how Harvey Dent could not be redeemed, and he did not change. Right. And how Batman was just of his mind of, I have to know. I have to know, Harvey. Is it you? And you know when he finds when he finds that out, he's he's crestfallen. But here he has all of these youth who have been doing horrible things. They've been these mutants out there killing people. You know when they changed to Sons of Batman, they were still doing horrible things, but in the name of Batman, thinking that they were doing the right things. And you know by the end, he sees that they could be redeemed. And you know that theme I think came across so so well, where Batman had no hope at the end of book one, but at the end of book four, he had hope again. Oh, what man. a metaphor of of the whole thing, though, with with Harvey Dent being repaired on the outside, but mm -hmm. being more two-faced than he ever was before. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of what I got from the... Oh, and, and, and the panel where it shows Batman sees who he really is, and yeah. it's... Two-Face all disfigured yeah. instead right. of uh, half-disfigured. i got to be honest, Brady, you actually just sold me on this. The, I, I was not thrilled with the first chapter the first time I read it, but now like you've taken it in context of the rest of the book. Batman was not Batman. He was, he was Bruce Wayne at this point. Bruce yeah. Wayne couldn't save Harvey Dent. Perhaps Batman could have? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a weird, but it's an interesting point to consider, and I think that really does tie in. Wow. That that really broadened. I know it's like that metaphors. really broadened my horizons <laughs> on this book. Children's books, man. Uh, I'm gonna go read some Garfield. Do not let your children read this book. <laughs> no, this, Nazi this is not Nazi a book for children. So, so, so I, I have to say that my four-year-old was on my lap while I was reading through. Uh, I think it was book three and book four. Oh, and, and, do it. and, and so you know, I'd have to scroll really fast past some parts. Um, but, <laughs> and she was asking me, you know, oh, what are, what are they saying? Why are Batman and Superman fighting? And so I had to make up a whole new story. We're friends, <laughs> Martha. Your mom's name's Martha too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yes, that's a reason to break up our uh, ideological fight. Let's let's hold off on Superman for now. I want to save that for the, okay. the okay. big finale. We've got a couple other characters that we should talk about so, before we get there. Can I say I love Gordon here? Let's talk about Commissioner I Gordon. Love Gordon here. Um, he has this. He has this moment. Um, he has a couple of times where you know he's walking home. And, you know, it, it just shows all of his inner dialogue. And there's some powerful stuff there, you know, where he's talking about how, you know, I love the whole panel of problem with crime is the more you know, the more nervous it makes you. Yeah. And, you know, he starts <laughs> talking about that. And, you know, as he's going on, it's kind of like a stream of consciousness type Type thought that we have there, where he starts to think of, where he starts to think of Sarah, he starts to think of his wife. I think of and Sarah. Then, the rest is easy. That line's repeated throughout. Yeah, and um, and it actually goes into you know how he's annoyed how Sarah won't let him smoke <laughs> in the house, and he's annoyed that Sarah's doing this and doing that, and then you know immediately after that you have the mutant who pulls a gun on him. And then, yeah, and then it's the line of, I think of Sarah, the rest is easy. Oh, it's, and, it's such a good and line. And it comes up more yeah. than one. It's and, such a good line. And I, I think that that dichotomy right there is so powerful. Yeah. Because it's, you know, his, oh, my wife is making me do this. My wife is making me do that. She's <laughs> making me she's making me go and pick up the bean sprouts because she forgot to pick them up. Okay. And, you know, kind of complaining about his wife, but really his wife is what drives yeah. him. And, you know, that's... I, I thought that that was really powerful. I love mm. I love Gordon pretty much in everything Batman. I think that yeah. Gordon is a great character. Yeah, yeah I agree. And well, I'll, I'll go there and I'll say that Gotham is better than people make it out to be. <laughs> because Gordon, Gordon is there. Because Gordon is oh. there. And I think that they portray him really well. And they, they portray, you know, his his having to compromise, you know, compromise the law and sometimes to do the right thing. And, you know, that's one thing... Here, you have Gordon constantly tells Batman, I've had to let you cross the line several times. Mm -hmm. No one else is going to do that. It's, it's a point that they tried to make in The Dark Knight Rises in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't make it as well as they do here. Yeah. That's one area where very, very clearly this book is superior. I want to provide... Emily, I think I want to hear Emily's thoughts on this as well, but I want to provide a little bit of context for some of our listeners. This is uh, Commissioner Gordon at the end of his career. He retires during the course of the story, and we meet his successor, who is another character that we have to talk about because she's great. Basically, imagine him as Murtaugh. <laughs> <laughs> He's too... Yeah. Yeah, but... Um, anyway, this is... I, I don't know. Go Frank Miller writes Commissioner Gordon in this and in Batman Year One. And between those two oh. stories, I would argue that Commissioner Gordon is the most interesting character in the entire Batman mythos. I love Gordon. Emily, what are your Definitely thoughts? Definitely in Year One. But Definitely in Year One. Somewhat here, too. Emily. About Gordon specifically? Yeah, about I've, Gordon specifically. Every, every Batman thing that I've watched, I've always, always loved Gordon. <laughs> and this is no exception. Yeah, he, he tends to have some of the best lines. My favorite line in The Dark Knight is Commissioner Gordon. Batman's, like, running away to, to like, go take out the, the Joker's thugs or whatever, and Gordon's just left on the rooftop shouting after him, I have to save Dent! There's such... That's yeah. such a good... Oh, yeah. Such a good moment. That's a good acting performance. Well, yeah. Gary Oldman. I yeah. was going to say, yeah. If you, if you ignore Lost in Space and parts of Fifth Element. <laughs> fantastic actor. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, I, I just love how Gordon it's adheres real. to the, like the ideal of justice. Like he believes in the law; otherwise, he wouldn't be a police officer right. or you know the police commissioner. But he also recognizes that sometimes it takes a bit of extraordinary effort to uh, 
to get people to adhere to the law. He recognizes that in extraordinary situations, the law needs help, which the politics of that statement are super weird, and I, yeah. I don't know that I want to unpack them right now. Place, it's a hard place to be. Uh, it's, you could say you know, the process like, is what makes Americans American. Due process, in my opinion, is the difference between good and evil. And without due process, you know, killing people and ending them is not due process. Batman's never supposed to be an executioner. These people are not supposed to be executioners. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Batman good, Punisher bad. Well, yeah. yes. I, I think Gordon <laughs> kind of comes off as like, you know, like the whole city sees him as this like crazy old man who needs to move on. But he's also kind of like... I'm the last sane one here, and you need to listen to me because everything's bad. But there is some sense, you get some sense that the city, like, the officials, the the bureaucracy of Gotham City wants to get rid of Gordon. Yes. But they recognize the mayor agonizes over who he's going to pick as Gordon's replacement because everybody loves Gordon because he does such a good job. Mm-hmm. He In a city that is corrupt and vile as Gotham is, Gordon is the public, the public figure, perhaps more than any other, who maintains some sense of idealism. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, and I, I thought it was interesting commentary there where, you know, Gordon has to kill the 17-year-old kid. Mm. You know, he shoots and kills the 17-year-old kid who pulls mm-hmm. a gun on him and how people are upset about that. And it just reminds me of other situations. Yeah, oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, another thing that I don't really want to unpack during our yeah. podcast about a children's book for tiny babies. Um not for tiny babies. Do not let your tiny babies read this book. Mm-mm. No, no. <laughs> Please don't. But, I mean, okay, so while we're on the topic of the police and Commissioner Gordon, let's talk about Ellen Yindel, the replacement. There's, I don't know that there's as much to say about her necessarily, but I think she's a fascinating character in her own right. I, I think that they do I think that they do a great job of, with her in general. Um, but, you know, when the first thing that you hear about her is that her number one goal is to put Batman behind bars... I mean, that's... good luck. Yeah, but can you blame her? No, like she has a perfectly valid point, and she goes after it ruthlessly, and it's good for you. Have fun with that. Have fun with yeah, that. Yeah, but I, I mean, like, it, you're it not wrong, but it automatically in the reader's head antagonizes her a little bit, which I think is almost unfair because mm-hmm. you know she's trying very hard, and she mm-hmm. does. She makes some very dumb moves, but she also makes some very well. Like, smart she's also moves. the new person in Gotham. You know what I mean. This Trying to make smart moves there. She's, she sees, you know, maybe getting control of the situation. Is, all this mess is because of Batman, so right. therefore, let's, you know, rein him in. Right. But then, like... <laughs> well, and, and then the... The child endangerment line really just made me not like her. <laughs> the the add child endangerment to his list of crimes. Mm-hmm. Again, she's not wrong. <laughs> but not at all. for me, the the line that really cements I, I actually love Ellen Yandel. She's she's one of my favorite characters in this. Like shortly behind Gordon, um, I just love this the moment during the the blackout after the Coldbringer bomb has exploded and all the electronics are down and the city is rioting and then oh, Batman the rides into town on horseback with all of the gangs behind him. Uh, again, you want to talk about Klaus Janssen's art? The way he draws these sequences is so good. And there's that moment where Ellen Yindel's just looking at him, establishing order because the world's not making sense. He's gonna make it make sense with his big gauntleted fist, and she's just like, he's too big. Mm-hmm. That that moment, that that moment of realization is what makes Ellen Yindel's character really click for me. As as much as like she's trying to make the world make sense, 
she is not Batman. She doesn't have the strength of that symbol behind her, that that mm-hmm. legend, that uh, the gravity of the bat. That's got to be a comic book title for somebody. Although that, <laughs> anyway. Right, um, well, it's the whole. It's like like we get in the Dark Knight, the Christopher Nolan movies. You know, you can destroy a man, you can't destroy a symbol. Yeah. You know, and he's like, as as just as Bruce Wayne. You know, I can be. I can almost lost. guarantee that Christopher Nolan read this book. Yeah. Right. It's the same point. He just makes it actually spells it out for you. The, and he, is he on the horseback? No, Scarecrow's on horseback. Scarecrow's on the horseback. <laughs> and he looks ridiculous on the horse because he gets tasered right away. But anyway. <laughs> um, <love> that. <laughs> That's my favorite part. I think there... There's one other character I want to talk about before we start talking about favorite moments. I want to end. We're going to end talking about the Batman-Superman fight. Um, before that, I want to talk about favorite moments. But before that, let's talk about the Joker. Good, I was going to say. Chapter 3 of this book deals with the Joker's return, and um, mm-hmm. what are our thoughts? So the Joker, for me, is always kind of interesting, because my... Sorry, I'm just taking the reins. Do it. Go ahead. Go for it. Um, the Joker, for me, has always been interesting, because I like... There's never been like a Joker that I've seen that I haven't liked. Um, and this one was kind of one that I didn't. The, yeah, no, I'm 100 percent with <laughs> That's you. That's a good point. 100 percent with you that I do not like this Joker. But why? Why don't you like him? It's hard to put my finger on. This was at the point where I was started skimming. We can talk. Oh, about... me too. Straight up. Yeah, dude. No, because because <laughs> book three lost me at the very beginning of book three. Book two almost lost me, but brought me back. But yeah, this this Joker. There wasn't really a lot behind it. It felt like, oh my gosh, it's book three and we haven't had Joker yet. Let's put him in. Although he was in the book from the beginning. He was, yeah. Yeah, was he? yeah they seated him. He was there. Oh, he was... oh yeah, with the green hair. And not smiling. He's not smiling. And then, you know, until he hears the story that uh-huh. Batman's back. And then and that's and when then you see that panel where he's smiling. Smiles, yeah. And he yells darling. He, like, calls Batman darling. Oh, yeah. I think that shows how much they need each other. <laughs> I think that shows how connected the Joker is to Batman and how much Batman is to the Joker. And I think that the ending here, I'm just rereading it, you know, I I really like this ending. Like, this in my head is, like, how would Batman versus the Joker end? It would be just like this. Yeah, you know? so how does it end, John? Yeah, please explain. The Joker is attacked at a fair full of kids. It's awful. He, they, yeah. they... he kills dozens of Cub Scouts. Yeah, yeah, I did catch that. With cotton candy. Yep. But he chases him into the tunnel of love, and they're they're fighting and stabbing and shooting at each other in in the in the water. As anyone would do in the tunnel of love. Yeah, I mean, I don't know when the last time you were on a tunnel of love was, but uh, <laughs> you know, I got a knife hey, inside. Uh, <laughs> Never going to an amusement park with you guys. And he just, <laughs> Batman knows it's the end, so he's like, if if I go down and the Joker's still around, I can't protect anyone from the Joker anymore. So he's gonna go out. Yep. And. Just keeps, you know, he he cracks his neck and paralyzes him and just can't quite get to where, you know, he's going to kill him. People think that he's killed him and they're running away and then, you know, Joker says they're gone, the witnesses. I'm really very disappointed in you, my sweet. The moment was perfect and you didn't have the nerve. Paralysis, really? Just an ounce or two of more pressure. Mm -hmm. 
And he just cracks his own back and just, you know, I'll mm-hmm. see you in hell. And then, yeah, he twists and kills himself. Oh. So it's because of Batman, but not directly killing the Joker, and that's how, yeah. Right. And then, I don't know if it's, like, something inside of him, but just, ha, 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 until he burns up. Yeah. And it's horrifying. Yeah. And it's smiling skeleton. It is certainly horrifying. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> oh, and then, then I waste one second with a goodbye, and he just spits on the Joker. So, so can we talk about, about Batman's... No killing rule and rubber how, and how he had to <laughs> rubber bullets promise. I love that line. Yeah. Sorry, and and how he had to, you know, confront it a couple of times in this book, mm-hmm. and you know, in a way that you wouldn't see in Batman v Superman. But <laughs> Superman is like we're not straight up kills people. The bat, yeah, he straight yeah. up kills people. Like the Batmobile grapples this car and just hauls it around behind him for no good reason mm-hmm. until he like whips it around and it just takes out another car. And like, there's no like ambiguous like the panel where he confronts. No, I guess he actually does shoot the gun. So we're meant to believe that he did kill a mutant that was holding the baby when he rescued the baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's because it's not the same mutant later that he's dangling off the top of the tower. Right, it's right. Yeah. So there, save a baby or let a freak walk by. I mean, that's, you know. Right. Well, I, you know, I was actually confused by that panel because, you know, it almost looks like he just shot, like, like by wall, it, right? and yeah. the, the wall by it, and, it but, and freaked him out. But I think at the it's same time, ambiguous. it also looks like maybe that's blood behind there. Or he, like, it's it's super ambiguous. Like, and later on in, for a reason. Yeah, later on in the book, they actually say Batman has never killed. But this happened after he shot a mutant with a machine gun. Yeah. Like, machine I ha- gun. I yeah. do not believe that he did not kill that person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you don't want that again. You know, a little bit later, he could. He has a moment where... He could have made things easy and just killed the mutant leader and had it be done. Rolled over him with his bat tank. Yeah, exactly. But instead, Which was awesome. Instead, he gets out and tries to go toe-to-toe with him. Because he's not sure that he can. I love yeah. that. That whole... Both fights. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we'll we'll talk about favorite moments in a minute, and that's coming up. <laughs> Don't worry. Why didn't Batman never have a tank before? I mean, he might have, but this is the first one I saw him at. Why, why didn't Batman ever have a weird-looking tank like that? That was, that was like <laughs> full-on World War One tank, dude. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, so the Joker... So the Joker... Sorry. Oh, yeah. I think Got his his moves are very Joker-esque. I don't know. I think that uh, he works for me. I don't know. The the things that I don't like about this Joker... Um, I... I, I the talking flying doll bombs. Those are weird. His yeah. his henchmen are weird. His two henchmen. He's got Abner, the big fat guy that makes the talking doll bombs, and then he's got mm-hmm. Bruno, the Nazi girl with no p- pants on her Dude, butt and swastikas tattooed on her boobs. Nazi boobs. It's the. I was very stressed by that character as a whole. Like she turns up in other Frank Miller books. I have no idea who she is. I don't think anybody has picked her up other than Frank Miller, and I think that's probably for the best, because she's kind of terrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. It was... Seriously, like, I saw that panel, and she's... Sorry. Uh, no, yeah, it's it's like... What's the most offensive character that we can draw? Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah. A white blonde... It's like naked woman and swastikas. Can we do both? <laughs> oh, we're going to do both. Oh, we're going to do both. Uh, 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 it's also... Uh, anyway, no. So, like, the Joker's henchmen are... Not typical Joker henchman. The Joker himself, mm-hmm. like, you... The thing that's appealing about the Joker is that he is terrifying, but at the same time, he's got this, this like, genuine charisma behind right. him. the charm. Th- this Joker is almost utterly charmless, in my yeah, estimation. He doesn't have any... There's no levity to him. That's yeah. a really good way to put it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Emily. You gave me the word charm. 
to work with. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was sure until they revealed the, until they mentioned in the news program with the talk show host name that it was supposed to be Dave Letterman. It was. I, I, I was sure that it was yeah. supposed to be oh, Dave Letterman. This came out in the eighties. Like there are so many like sort of proxies. There's definitely a David Letterman in there. There's a Doctor Ruth in there. There's a Ronald Reagan in there. Um, I think Superman. that is just straight up Reagan. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah, much it is. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well. Yeah, so, I don't know, oh, this man. this Joker just feels like he's... I, I don't want to beat the, the Christopher Nolan drum too much, especially since so much of what's wrong with DC Comics nowadays is how much they are adhering to the, that vision of the Joker. But the Agent of Chaos bit where the Joker appears oh. to be completely random, but is in fact very calculating. That's such, I think, a fundamental part of his character that's been picked up on by so many great um, stories. And even before then, you, um, you talked about the, the, the Neil Adams uh, era of Batman. That's where we get, if you've seen Batman the Animated Series, the story The Laughing Fish, mm-hmm. where the Joker uh, poisons fish, and so they get his smile, and then he tries to copyright the fish. That's one of the greatest Joker stories ever written. And it just, again, it's this element of chaos, but there's very clearly a plan going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. This Joker lacks all of that. He's just got some of the visual stick. As, as a side note, has everyone here already watched the, um, the preview for the Killing Joke cartoon? Oh. 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 That's another thing that we'll have to talk about at some other point. <laughs> I've got complicated opinions about that one. Um, anybody have anything else they really want to say about this Joker? Yeah, yeah. He kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, yeah. I mean, you want him to, you want him to crack jokes every now and again. (laughs) I wanted more from him that I was not getting. I laughed more at the mutant leader than I laughed at the Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that the Joker really died? Because I don't think he did. He got, he got lit on fire. fire. You can't skin (laughs) him. He got burnt up. No, 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 no. Like, oh, burnt up. Uh, No idea. I was just yeah. trying to be controversial. Well, I mean, <laughs> not good. <laughs> You're right, because no one ever really dies in comics. But Especially the Joker. Like if you ever read the website TV saying. Tropes, there's a trope named after him. It's that's, the Joker immunity. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is, is I was I was always expecting for it to be fake. Yeah. And like, reading through the Wikipedia article, it says... It, it, have you read the Wikipedia for the plot? I actually read this <laughs> when I started skimming. So it says... To incriminate Batman for murder, the Joker, the Joker seemingly commits suicides by breaking his own neck. And then in parentheses, whether this actually happened or was imagined by Batman is unconfirmed. Uh, Wikipedia yeah. can be contributed by anyone. True. It's it's clear in the panel. Batman does a crack. Batman break like you know paralyzes. Yeah, and then there's fallout because of the Joker is like, yeah, I'm going the rest of the way. Crack dead. Right. And then he's burnt up. Literally, like a matchstick. Like, it, he's dead. I just so, thought that was an interesting we, thing. We should probably talk a bit about public perception of Batman within the context of this story, because that's one of my favorite things. This is going to kind of serve as our segue into favorite moments. One of the things that I think uh, Frank Miller does really well is show what Batman's impact is on the population. We've talked about, like, the positive stuff, especially at the end, after he's had the chance to kind of mobilize the youth. But it's something that's touched on all the way through. And there's a really, really severe critique of the media. The, the part that I'm thinking of in particular, there is a uh, three-part sort of... There are three different vignettes uh, right in the middle. Um, with the guy with the Batman... Yeah, so there's there's this woman who... Uh, she buys the art. 
kit for her kid. Yeah, she buys the art kit for her kid, oh, and then one of the mutants drops a bomb in her purse, and it explodes. Yeah. Um, that's not actually the one that I was thinking of, there, uh, oh. but it, I, I wrote it in the same section. So there's this guy who uh, like walks into a porno theater and shoots it up, mm-hmm. and everybody blames Batman for that yeah. being a copycat crime. Right. And then inspired theater, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, and then there's the uh, like the criminal strongman Whoa, who Batman inspired criminal yeah, theater th- shooting. Sorry. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. Sorry. Oh dear. Oh, continue. oh wow. But then after that you've got the the story of Iron Man Vasquez who um was like this criminal strongman and he decides that he's done being a criminal strongman so he dresses up as Batman and tries to shoot his boss. Mm-hmm. And then his, <laughs> and then gets shot instead and then this is a Batman inspired crime which it was but not for the reason that they thought it was. Right. Like the media misinterpreted it not re- recognizing that the intended victim was actually a criminal. And then there was the, the I don't know if he's like a deli owner or what, Peppy Spandek, who, like, somebody's committing a mugging right outside his shop, and he's just like, oh, you know what, I'm sick of this, and he walks out with a rolling pin and scares the mugger off, and it never turns up on the news at all. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Again, like, the politics of this book Nobody is so Nobody's heard enough to make this for the news. <laughs> Do you think it's commentary on, on the state of the news, is, uh, what is newsworthy in this book? Based on what's, I, I mean, is he is he saying something like it has to be this crazy to be put on? You know, I, I certainly think there's some criticism of the sensationalism that goes on in newscasting. Yeah, I, I or, certainly or think, I that's, mean, I think that's. It could clear. just be like a storytelling method to like you know broad strokes kind of over what's happening, like the situation in Gotham and the weather reports or the heat wave and all. Yeah, that I think stuff. so much of what makes this book confusing to read is the way that it's laid out as television panels, yeah. and yeah, so I think. Not, the fact that, like, the television screen is the panel, and that's so much of, of the visual storytelling, I think you have to take it as a critique. Yeah. This is getting very high school literature, but I think you have to take it as <laughs> a critique of the news clear. media. Yeah. Well, I and that's one of the reasons why when I started saying it, it's almost like we're experiencing the story with everybody else more than it is that I'm reading something, trying to move through it. And these TV panels, for me, I was able to take myself outside and, and imagine. I'm watching TV, and these are the news reports about a bat vigilante mm-hmm. here in Salt Lake City. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was. And it's it's interesting. I thought they were kind of cool. Yeah. Well, you, you know, and and it's it's interesting because you have the commentary in the news, but you also have some of the reactions to the commentary in the news. Right. Whether it's, you know, people in the, like, people in the insane asylum working there, or um, Robin's parents Robin's mm-hmm. parents, Robin's absentee stoner parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were, yeah, we're so oh, weird. Um, yeah. But these different I, items and, and, you know, I, 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 Oh, sorry, sorry. These different items can affect your, your view of any story. Yeah, exactly. But as a side note on Robin's parents, <laughs> I love the line of, hey, don't we have a kid? <laughs> <laughs> What's his hurt, hurt his name? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. um, okay, so... Let's go, go favorite or least favorite moments. Everybody, like, we're just going to kind of freestyle this. Anybody throw out whatever they want to talk about next for a bit. And then, then we'll end with Batman. Superman's Superman. in this comic. Favorite part. Okay. <laughs> Hold on to that one. We'll come back to it. Batman beats Superman. Hold on to that oh, one. Okay, we'll come back okay. to it. Hold on to that one. We'll come back to it. Oh, my God. Because there are a lot of other little moments that we can talk about. Um, we've, we've held off on this. Let's talk about the mutants. Let's talk about the mutant leader. Um, okay, oh, can I ask a question? Yes, go all, all, by all means, go ahead. Was there something I was supposed to know going into the books about the mutants? No. No, this is, this is okay. it. Be all, end all of mutants. Okay, because I was reading it and I'm like, I feel like I'm missing something. 
No, they're just, happened, I feel like I'm they're just gangsters. They're just okay. gangbangers. But if he kills them, they're less human, so it's okay. <laughs> oh dear. I, you don't get it, boy. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. I'm a surgeon. Best line in the book. Oh, best, best line in the whole book. Something tells me to stop with the leg. I don't listen to it. <laughs> so, he's not killing people, but man, he is towing that line. Because uh-huh. I'm well, sure that he was like in like broken arms and legs. I'm just like, okay, no more crime. And I love how dumb the mayor was. Oh. <laughs> and when they passed oh, the buck later on, the governor's like, ah, oh, the mayor's. It's a city issue, and the mayor's like, oh. It's Reagan's like, oh, that state has it under control, and just everyone's passing the buck, and Batman's like, I will punch them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and, you know, I I loved the fact that you know the only way to really destroy this mutant effort was to show them that someone was more powerful. And that's that's the whole point of the symbol again. Mm-hmm. Like the mutants are powerful because they've got that striking visual that scares people with the visors and the really like spiky hair and the, and the, the cool slang mm-hmm. and the cool slang. Mon don't shiv. <laughs> with, so with, with those visors and being called mutants, do you guys think that this was some sort of of you know commentary on Marvel? Yes. And so um, <laughs> according to my calculations, a couple of years ago, I remember I actually was like putting together a list in my head of my favorite Batman stories, and this one ranked really high. Mm-hmm. Reading it again, I couldn't remember why until I got to the the chapter two. This whole chapter two with the mutants and Batman's Batman fighting the gangsters and uh, I don't know. All of chapter two is like, oh no, this is great. This is my that is my favorite section in the whole book. Mm-hmm. I just love. It, it's so iconic. They actually adapted parts of uh, The Dark Knight Returns for Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. What they chose to adapt was this moment, the fight between the the Dark Knight and the mutant leader. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Tough Batman. Yeah. Um, I think that well, after that, then the book gets, you know, there's like chapter three, all, or book three all about the Joker. Which is problematic Whew. at best. And yeah, I think book three it, lost me. <laughs> it did. It, it did. It, it, it loses a lot of people, I think, honestly. Um, Which it shouldn't, because it's the freaking Joker. It, yeah, but it does. It's I, 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 again, I do not think this is a very good Joker. Um, but then we get to chapter four. Why don't we just dive into the the big moment? We have not oh, talked about it yet. There have been little hints where the president is like, no, Confident. you know. He, you just need to, like, take the wild stallion out and ride him around bum, a little bum, bit bum, to, like, bum, keep bum, him bum. under control, you know. Uh, and then, like, you know, we see it's, like, the, the flag, and it turns into this, the uh, superhero, or Superman symbol. Somebody's excited to talk about Superman. <laughs> but, Don't worry about it. Yeah, it, like you, I like how it's you know built to like you know who could you know who could stop Batman if he wanted to you know who could stop Batman if he wanted to and then he can't. Mm. <laughs> well, Batman's and and best. you know I I thought that the whole the whole section of Superman kind of thinking things over while he's basically stopping the Soviets at Quarter Maltese single handedly mm-hmm. was kind of. It was it was interesting that that thought process was happening while you know he's what what was the thought process huge well just kind of going back to you know Diana went back to her people Hal is in the stars you were supposed to stay retired you know you're yeah. ruining things for all of us you know and how that all happened while he's you know doing these huge things grabbing a tanker and 
whatever he was doing with that. You know, it's kind of interesting how he's kind of how he's become the government's property almost. Yeah. So let's talk about Superman the character as he's portrayed in this book. Mm-hmm. Nuclear deterrent. Yeah, he is basically the nuclear weapon. He is, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and and Brady, you you kind of he's he's the government owns him. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta say, I I love Superman. I Superman is I think, I honestly think Superman is the best or one of the best superheroes. Others have come. Spider Man's probably better, but other than that, like mm-hmm. Sup- Superman is is one of the best superheroes. This is not a good Superman story in my estimation. Well, it's a Batman story with Superman in it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not. It, it does not do Superman any favors. No, you know, I really I, didn't like him. I, I, I did kind story. of like the the you know getting back to the basic camaraderie when they were. I don't know what they were doing a fox hunt. That's kind of what it seemed like. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. I can picture the, that scene. You've got Batman who's like in the back and he's all old and shriveled. But then there's yeah. Superman and he's like standing and he's got his <laughs> hands on his hips and his shirts open and you can uh-huh. see his pecs and there's a butterfly. Going bad. <laughs> it, is, it is the most ridiculous so panel, and I kind of love it. Balls. I, yeah. I think you're supposed to think it's ridiculous. I don't think Frank Miller likes Superman. It's, it's the sun, it's the sky, that, and him. He like he's the only reason it's all here. Then he ruins everything by talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's now he's like, trying to like reason with me. Yeah, he totally does. Like, ah, I'm so bright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so. Batman versus Superman. Who wins this fight? Batman. In both versions of this story. Um, <laughs> Batman, if, if you can kill him in one go, then you win. If you let him live and you fight him again, he will figure out a way to beat you. That's what we saw with the mutants. That was what we saw, you know, he's known Superman long enough. Mm-hmm. I forget which Justice League um, cartoon it was where he has like contingency plans to beat everyone in the Justice League. And then Tower of Babel. Yeah, he has all of them figured out. And the villains to. like get those and and take him out or take all of everybody out. In the comic, it was called Babel. Okay. Um, I yeah. I think they actually made a cartoon out of it. I don't know. What yeah, that was they called. did. I forget, I forget the cartoon. Yeah, it was a cartoon movie. Yeah, I don't I remember what it was called. Anyway, um, you know that's what Batman does. That's why I like how this plays out because Batman can figure out how to you know how to make it happen. And he does that with a really, really angry green arrow. <laughs> I love that his secret weapon is a one-armed, angry green arrow. Firing upside down <laughs> while with also it. fighting off a helicopter. With, you know, <laughs> pulling back the arrow with his mouth. With his mouth. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is the silliest thing. Curtis, what are your thoughts on this fight? Oh, I like it. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, like I said, it was from Batman's point of view. It's a Batman story with, with, Batman, with Superman in it. Mm-hmm. Um... When you have Kryptonite, like I guess turning him mortal, Batman's going to be the superior mortal. Yeah, um, that's that's kind of his whole deal. It is. He's the and best at everything. There's, I always have issue with it outside of comic books. If you talk about like theory of Batman versus Superman, Superman wins ninety nine out of a hundred. <laughs> Kryptonite seems like kind of a cop out. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But if you have if Kryptonite and like I said, this is a Batman story. The the really cool thing. Spoiler alert. Uh oh. Can I spoil? Yeah. Can we spoil? Everybody, we, we gave people time. We yeah, gave dude. them like 20 seconds yeah, to, to read it. Batman is, Batman has Superman under his foot and the, his, his mortality, his heart attack, I guess. Yeah. His heart stops. Yeah. 
the whole fight is Batman takes what completely. Uh-huh. What's the line? You've got to have the line up there because this line is actually really good. He At says, the end of the fight? "Yeah, you've got this iconic." You hand. Yeah. I want you to remember the one man who beat you, and then. And then he flatlines and he passes out. Mm-hmm. So, um, I gotta say, in my mind, this book resolves the question of who would win in a fight between Batman and Superman forever. And the mm-hmm. answer is Superman. Mm-hmm. Because, you talk about like Batman's plan to win. Batman only wins because on his side he has the third best Robin, mm-hmm. Carrie Kelly, um, in the freaking tank Batmobile, Green Arrow with kryptonite... Uh, artillery. Um, Batman's wearing this power armor that you can see in Batman v Superman. It's very clearly designed after this look. He's got this power armor that's not only, um, you know, making him more powerful, but it drains all of the electricity from Gotham City so he can punch him once. (laughs) Um, Worth it. And all of this, the only reason this works is because a couple hours earlier, Superman was hit by a nuke. Mm-hmm. And it drained of all his power. If Superman hadn't been nuked, he probably would have won. Yeah. Like, this just, I mean, to me, this just shows. Laser eyes from space, John. I refuse to acknowledge that yeah. there's this thing called nerve conduction velocity. That which is said. how fast a nerve can tell your brain that you are dead. Some people die before they know they've hit, been hit by a bullet. Superman is much larger than a bullet and flies much faster. <laughs> Look, I refuse to acknowledge these these valid facts and... and <laughs> I just... I, I like Batman. In, in my ideal... <laughs> I like Batman In my ideal world, Batman and Superman don't fight. Because wish, they are on the same side. Yes! Yeah. Yeah. I wish, I wish this was... I wish this was how the world worked, John. I like the 49ers so much more than all the other <laughs> football players. They should win! Oh, <laughs> you, got into, you, you became a fan when uh, they did win a lot, huh? Oh, no. No? No. Before Steve Young? After my Steve dad Young? my dad went to school with these guys named Andy Reed and Steve Young. Uh-huh. Um, so we've we've been San Francisco 49ers fans my whole life. Now, I watched football, and I watched a lot of college football in the early 2000s because it's hard to be a 49ers fan. Sorry, uh, we're getting on a real tangent here. Yes, we are. But, uh, yeah, I started watching in 2007 again because Alex Smith went there, and I've been following it. Pretty religiously since it was a really, mm-hmm. it was a big surprise with Jim Jim Harbaugh. Anyway, continue. no, I agree so, with Stephen though. I like it when superheroes are superheroes and not fighting with each other because they're supposed to be collectively the good and, guys. I mean, I say that like I don't really, yeah, I agree with you and I agree with Stephen. Like I don't really like it when they fight. Having said that, well, I can't, I can't wait for Civil War. <laughs> I can't pick a side in Civil War though, dude. I can't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so just based on who's more dreamy. Cap, Cap, even though Iron Man has a perfectly valid point, and that's how it should work in the real world. Mm-hmm. Cap, at least in the comics. That's... See, see, and ideologically, <laughs> ideologically, yeah. I, I, I love Captain America just because of the, the, the whole freedom and and you know, there's things more important than governmental regulation and things like that. In mm-hmm. and the system doesn't work because Hydra can get it. Right. <laughs> well, and, and there are things like that. But and, and you know, here's here's the thing. Um, and bringing this back to this story. Right. Um, Captain America, to me, is a great superhero because he's good. Mm-hmm. He's genuinely a good person. He doesn't do what he does out of self-interest at all. He's selfless and wants to mm-hmm. give of himself for the betterment of society. Yeah. And, yeah. Captain America is not what America is, but what America aspires to be. Exactly. And he's and, the embodiment of that. And, and, and that should be 
what Superman is. And the times that I like Superman, that's what Superman is. But that's not what he is here. That's not what he is here. It's the pearls in Zorro. I will. <laughs> no, dude. Seriously, the pearls represent the chain of his life and how it should have gone, and it breaks mm-hmm. with the gunshot. <laughs> and it just ha- so happens that he was watching Zorro, the story that's, of That's the where Nash Batman Man. comes from, yeah. As a Fine. side note, did we really need to see that again? No. <laughs> we never need to see a superhero origin ever, 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 ever again. We've got we've to tie up our discussion of, of The Dark Knight Returns before we go on to any more tangents. Oh, that was in want, The Dark Knight Returns. To well, yeah, like but that was mid, just before it was done too much. somewhere. Right. Okay, so there's one thing I think that this comic does get right about Superman, and I want to bring this up before we leave. So Batman has taken a drug that manufactures a heart attack. That's what happens. And he has it timed so that when he's got Superman under his boot, when he's about to beat him, he has a heart attack and he dies. Mm -hmm. And Die undefeated sucker. They have a funeral (laughs) for Batman revealed to be Bruce Wayne. And Superman is there, and everybody is so ticked because Superman killed Batman. Right. Um, Catwoman just screams at him. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's terrible. And Superman is just sitting there, and he feels awful. Mm -hmm. And you can see it on his face. This is this is one area where I think Klaus Jensen's art does work pretty well. And then. you see the blackout panel with like the line from the the heart monitor, and all of a sudden there's the the beep as if the heartbeat's starting up again, and that catches Superman's attention because he's got super hearing. Uh-huh. He can hear the heartbeat, and he sees Carrie Kelly, and she's dressed up and all like covered up so nobody can yeah. recognize her. But it's totally her, and she's there to exhume the body, and the heart starts beating, and Superman's like. He's still alive. He's still alive. And Carrie Kelly's getting freaked out because she thinks he's going to blow the whistle and ruin everything. And all he does is winks. Uh-huh. That was perfect. That is that is the best Superman moment in this entire book because it's I something agree. that the real Superman would do. Yes. There's a panel, though, with Superman flying over Batman with Batman's power suit and Superman. All you see is it's blacked out and you see a red cape. I don't remember what the panel is. Oh, I, I know the image. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a good image. It's a good image. Superhero. That was my Superman moment. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and there there are a couple of good Superman moments here, um, but as a whole, I just do not like this portrayal of Superman. But it is hugely influential because anytime anybody has the conversation, who would win in a fight between Batman and Superman? Mm-hmm. This anybody who knows this story, mm-hmm. this is the thing that's going to come up. Mm-hmm. Batman and Superman have fought a couple of times in the comics since. I don't think they ever really fought before this. Um, I think this is I I think Maybe I don't. Golden Age. I don't know. A lot of weird stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff. I don't know a whole lot about Golden and Silver Age comics, mm. but we have sure seen the Batman versus Superman fight dozens of times since. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How does this one compare? This one is probably the best of all the Batman Superman fights in the comics that I've read. I would say this one's the best. And again, um, uh, so much of it is about Batman realizes that the point isn't actually to. Uh, kill Superman or physically defeat him, it's to prove a point. Mm-hmm. And he makes a point. Almost every other time that Batman and Superman have fought, I've I've not felt that it had as much weight as this has. Because you can't kill Superman except with Kryptonite or with critical reviews. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are still sequels planned. Eight Apparently the critical later? reviews didn't do anything either. Yeah, dude, too much money. How many movies are we on now? Mm. Lots. <laughs> I do like how it ends. How he's getting, you know, the kids together. He's yeah. got mutants. He has sons of Batman. He has getting Robin. Them ready. And he's uh-huh. making plans. He said, "This will be a good life. Good enough." It and, is interesting. And it's, he's, yeah. he's changed his whole outlook. He's like, "All right, we're going to build, and we're not going to, you know." He's not is looking he... for a way out. He's not looking for another thrill. He's looking to work. Yeah. And to, you know. And at the end, is he Batman or or Bruce Wayne? It's Bruce Wayne. He's Bruce Wayne. 
So there it is. Yeah, he's. I think he's found some some kind of peace. So this in my head in my head canon. This is what how Batman ends, or or what happened. Either this or Batman Beyond. (laughs) (laughs) I I love the Batman Beyond ending. Honestly, I just love that. Like in one in one episode. There's a guy who puts a chip in his head bandages to make him think he's going crazy uh-huh. and keeps talking to him and talking to him. And he's like, I knew I wasn't crazy because the voice was calling me Bruce. And that's not what I call myself in my head. <laughs> he calls himself Batman. He's Batman. I, just, I love that. Little, yeah. little take on the character. So interesting yeah. thing. Um, I, I like putting this in context. A lot of people talk about the Batman comics. They go to Batman Year One, which yes. if you've never read the comic... Batman Begins is basically Batman Year yeah. One. Okay. Yeah. Ra's al Ghul. Without ra- take yeah. take Ra's al Ghul out. And it's the same. But it's, put, it's put in Catwoman. Yep. Okay. Catwoman's a little bit in it. Just <laughs> I, all of the best scenes in in, Bat- Batman er, in Batman Begins, like the when he's got the thing in his boot and he drops it and the bats all converge. All the stuff with Gordon, like it. All of that's the, really the Year One stuff with Gordon is. Amazing. It's really good. It's a real so a lot of people he had done that like the burst into the media. I think he did, there were similar things where he's like, "You've eaten well." Oh, like, where he confronts oh, the oh, it's so good. Way oh, cool. but yeah, the Gordon stuff is really compelling. Yeah. In year one. but a lot of people look at the Batman story. They say it begins with Batman Year One and it ends with Batman: The Dark Knight Rises. The interesting thing to me is that they were written in opposite order. Yeah, The Dark Knight Rises was written as the end of Silver Age Batman. And again, this this uh, critic Chris Sims talks about. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises, he says, that's Adam West Batman. Dark Knight Returns, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's Adam West's Batman at, mm-hmm. at, seven, at 60 years old. Um, and Batman Year One was the start of something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is meant to be goodbye to Silver Age Batman. And then we move on to to uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, mm-hmm. the, the Laughing Fish. Um, Batman 89, the Tim Burton stuff comes from this in a lot of ways. But this was meant to be a farewell and a closing chapter for the character mm-hmm. um, before he was reborn as something different. Yeah. So it, it's just interesting that this is... They weren't really, I think, meant to be on a continuum, although they, they certainly are now. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, this is this is an interesting, interesting book to talk about. And man, we had some good discussion. Anybody have any final thoughts they want to bring up? I still think Batman <laughs> in spite of the, the fact that that's just wrong <laughs> Still, well, yeah. I, I think you know going back to how I started things I definitely have a lot of problems with the writing and the art mm-hmm. in a lot of places but I think that this has enough good moments that kind of redeem it and me who does not read comic books at all you know going back to when I was talking about VR and how VR I feel you know, shuts you off to other people. Mm-hmm. I I feel that reading something in your hands does the same thing to me. So I I don't really do comics. In fact, books I listen to with audiobooks. Mm-hmm. But that said, this makes me want to maybe read the occasional comic. I would recommend um, something that maybe if you know if the writing and the art bothered you in this, a an, another really well done take on it, uh, Court of Owls, the the first year of New Fifty Two. Yeah, yeah, I really yeah, like it. Good. Scott Even, Snyder um, is a great great writer, and is it Greg Capullo who does yeah, the art? He's all he's also very and, good. And his look for Batman, he he think you know he sees Batman as like, as he described it, a huge slab of meat. He's a big guy that can give and take beatings, mm-hmm. and so and he, and he's the visual style is really cool because like whenever Batman can just be a shadow, 
he is a shadow. And it's like, you know, it's interesting with, like, how he has the cowl and how it's this, like, you know, really kind of scary shape whenever possible, you know, with just yeah. the, the whited-out eyes and everything. Yeah. If, I, if, yeah. Yeah, if you liked this book, I would recommend reading Batman Year One. Um, yeah. Klaus Jensen is the artist of this book, but there is no comparing Klaus Jensen to David Mazzucchelli, who is brilliant. His art in Batman Year One is great, and it defines and, the look for the character. And if you like David Mazzucchelli, then... I think you like David Aha, 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 Aha. David Aha. Uh-huh. David Aha. Mm-hmm. Uh, Any time we can get back to the Hawkeye. <laughs> Hawkeye. Also, also, if you like this, another good comic to pick up would be um, Batman and the Monster Men, which is, I, I'm, I'm just going to put a bit of a plug in for this book because it's not terribly well known. It's written and drawn by Matt Wagner, who is one of the heavyweights of the comic book world. And it's just, this is what... It's it's the perfect sort of Batman story. Batman fighting criminals. Um, it's big, fun action. He, but it's also very clever. Some of like one of the most uh, cliche traps: the walls with the spikes that are closing in. Batman finds a clever way out of it, and it's it's just a lot of fun. It's cool. Is it with Willie Scott pulling the lever? But it's really gross. <laughs> I'm not gonna spoil it. It's great. Sorry, Jones reference. <laughs> but at any rate, left yeah. field. I bat from there. <laughs> so, sports reference. Really I think that that wraps up our discussion of Batman for the day. Definitely. All right. Uh, where do we go from here? Bri? So, if you're in Salt Lake City and it's Tuesday, drop what you're doing on a Tuesday. This is coming up this Tuesday. I, I have Lamage class. <laughs> I'm going to be learning about all the. Miraculous, scary things that are going to happen at uh, birth. Child birth. <laughs> Just show Century up, the doctor will take over. Century 16 is playing Sing Street, which I saw at Sundance with Chris. Holy crap, is this movie great. Is that the one that you were, like, raving about? Raving. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. The main character, uh, I believe his name is Cosmo, actually. It's been a while since I've like, looked up everybody's name. But he gets transferred to a school in a rough part of Dublin. This is mid-80s Dublin. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to get out because, you know, it's it's a rough place to be, mm-hmm. rough yeah. economy, you know, tough to make ends meet. And his parents are having a tough time making ends meet. And they're having marital problems and everything. Mm-hmm. He gets transferred to a cheaper school. And it's in a rough part of town. And it's a really strict Catholic school. And he's having a hard time fitting in. He sees this girl across the street from the school. It's an all-boys school who's a model, and he wants to impress her, and he tells her that he has a band. He's made one friend, he tells this girl that he's made a band, and he's like, all right, we need to go form a band now. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of them experiencing music, and, and I don't like 80s music, but after this movie, I'm willing to reconsider some of it. I they kind of make their way through, like, what, well, you know, come on. <laughs> they make their way through, like, the really popular bands of the 80s, and, like, mm-hmm. make videos and stuff, and um, it's him trying to win over this girl, and trying to make sense of his life and stuff that's, you know, really hard for him, you know, with this this, this move, this, mm-hmm. you know, problems in his family, things like that. It's a really, really great movie, uh, great music, um, really, everything about it is great. I can't think, think of anything negative, but it's playing only Tuesday night at Century 16. Um, As a side note, like, it has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and the, and the Metacritic is in the 70s, 80s. 23? So... I mean, not that many reviews yet, but... Still, I, I, I'm, I'm sad that it's Do not getting have... a wider release. Oh, that's what I was just about to ask you. Yeah. I, I mean, they sold the movie, and so eventually it'll go somewhere. But for right now, at least in Salt Lake City, wherever you're listening to this, if you're listening somewhere else in Salt Lake City, find this movie, because it gets released next week. What's uh, the name again? Sing Street. Sing Street. It's mm-hmm. awesome. 
just. It sounds like something I would love. Yes, and and like I don't even like eighties music, but this and it it's full of it, and I loved every song. It was really entertaining. Awesome. Um, Just and really funny too. If I haven't said that already, it's it's really funny and touching at the same time. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Raving, raving. It's amazing. So, games. So this month we have some games coming out. Um, So if. You are a masochist. You might enjoy Dark Souls 3. <laughs> Me, I don't like throwing my controller across the room, so, so I'm not a Dark Souls fan. <laughs> but I know a lot of people are. Um, also, we have Bravely Second, which I'm sure that Steven might be interested in. Bravely Default was one of the best games that I sunk 50 hours into and still hadn't beaten and decided that was enough. So <laughs> I don't know if I could take another 50 hours of a game that I'm not going to finish. But yeah, no, Bravely, Bravely Default was a good game. Bravely Second promises to be more of the same, which is not a bad thing. Unless you thought the first one was too much of a good thing. Quantum Break came out for Xbox One and PC, which is a big game that got ho-hum reviews, and it has... Sean Ashmore, Iceman from the X-Men movies, Mm -hmm. and apparently... Looks really good. And has, like, 25-minute cutscenes at the end of each chapter. Wow. Does anyone know how to tell the Ashmore boys apart? (laughs) One is Iceman and one is not. (laughs) One who is Iceman has a, a little, like... Black marker on his arm from when I met them and couldn't tell them apart, so I drew on one of them. <laughs> it was permanent, uh, too, so it's not going anywhere. Office oh, reference. Life. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and then Star Fox Zero comes out this month Ooh, for Wii U. That's my childhood. I Star Fox sixty-four. Th- this one really looks like a direct sequel to Star Fox sixty-four. I've been oh, replaying Star Fox sixty-four on the DS. Such a good game. Game holds up. It's so good. So good. Yes. So good. I have a question. Yes, John. Can you kill Slippy? Tell <laughs> me in this game you can kill Slippy. <laughs> oh, but you know the, the most divisive thing that from from this game is that the way that you, is the controls, because basically it's very dependent on the gamepad. Mm-hmm. Because what you have is you have you're moving your ship right. up there, but the aiming actually because the gamepad has a screen on it, you're actually looking around to aim. Oh. And shoot things. And apparently it takes a little bit of getting used to, but once you do, people just love it. And one thing that I'm kind of excited for is there's actually a mode where you can do co-op, where you have someone who's flying and then the other person is your the gunner. guns. Like Finn and Poe? Yeah, yeah, like Finn and Poe. Like, like Finn and Poe. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually pretty excited for that. Um, if you want to know more of what we I think, you can listen to our E3 episode from last year. <laughs> yeah. I need a pilot. The Jungle Book is coming out, like we've talked about. Is that coming uh, out next week? Yes, yeah, yeah, next week. week. It's so awesome, guys. See it. Criminal Barbershop, if that's your thing. The Huntsman, which I'm embarrassed to say I saw the first one, and everything that didn't have Kristen Stewart was not terrible. You know. <laughs> hey, Kristen Stewart is the finest in the land, or something. Oh, Roger my She was like she... the... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Ratchet and Clank is coming out on PS4. I mean, the movie. And the movie. And, and the movie's, movie's coming, coming out. out. I, oh my, I, I don't know what to think about this movie, you guys. I have no connection to the, uh, what, are you, what you call it, game? Neither. But the yes. character yeah. design is pretty cool. I yeah, the character designs are a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I, uh, think it, uh, I think it's I, I'll see it after I see Zootopia. Okay. Yeah, Zootopia is awesome. awesome. 
All right. I think that's going to wrap us up for the day. Um, thank you for sticking with us. If you went through this whole podcast without or going and reading The Dark Knight Returns, um, why? But I'm glad you stuck around. Go read it now. And, uh, yeah, I, we will see you uh, next time on Reviews vs. the World, where I believe the plan is that we're going to talk about music. Ooh. And that will actually be later on this month. And we apologize for not getting something out. In March, but between weddings and other things, it just didn't happen. But we'll make up for it. I just slept a lot. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for being with us. This is it for the podcast today. Have a good night. And don't forget to crash those movies. Woo! <laughs> 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 <laughs>